Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm with the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Brett Roper, who is the CEO of Medicine Man Technologies based here in Colorado. Medicine Man Technologies provides consulting for cultivation and dispensary operations. Uh, So, Brett, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Bethany. Glad to be here. Great. So uh, let's talk about you for a minute. Um, Tell the audience more about who you are, what your background is. What were you doing before becoming a part of this cannabis industry universe? Uh, Good. uh, At this point in time, I, I have to be careful not to give you too much special information so I don't have to get in trouble for what I haven't done and have done. But Basically, my background is in, has been in real estate and real estate development, and also pre-public company and, and corporate development. So, uh, my first inter, uh, interaction with the cannabis industry here in Colorado was leasing the Medicine Man facility on behalf of my employer at the time, which was North Star Commercial Partners. Okay. So, at that time, I was working with a, a, a real estate firm that actually owned the building that uh, the Medicine Man Denver facility was kind of born into, if you will. So from that particular point backwards, I had been involved with a large regional developer for 10 years on the East Coast, had done a lot of commercial, industrial real estate, uh, new development, new construction, a lot of international marketing within the SIOR, NAI, and Corfac global communities. Had you know, had a pretty good uh, understanding of, of real estate as a whole. And on top of that, it had helped a few companies look at public options and had also been an advisor uh, to a number of companies as they considered what would what next steps would be best for them as they grew their business. None of these, by the way, were cannabis mm-hmm. uh, until I met the Williams family in uh, 2011. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Okay. Yeah, got it. I, I have been, uh, I have had a tour from Andy Williams of the Medicine Man facility and wow, that is, that's a big building with a lot of high tech stuff going on in there. I saw a faucet with like ionized water coming out of it or something. <laughs> really, really cool stuff. Um, okay. So what got you interested in, in joining the, this wild and wacky cannabis industry and movement since, you know, you, you came from a pretty stable uh, arena of, of industry. And, and of course, now you, you mentioned that Andy Williams, his medicine man building, the real estate part of it is how you got involved. Is, is there more of a story there? I mean, how, how did you warm up to the idea of sure. working in cannabis? Well, in 2009, when the Williams family first leased the building from my employer, 
I happen to be in charge of the assets both here in Colorado and elsewhere in the country. So with a new tenant, I technically was responsible for getting the, the new tenant in place. A lot of times with real estate, there's something called a, a tenant improvement allowance. So they were given a few dollars to make some improvements to the space. I coordinated that and introduced them to a local general contractor, which they used in the future for all that fancy new space that you saw on your mm-hmm. tour. So when I first worked with them in 2009, I thought, huh, cannabis, this is going to be interesting. And Andy <laughs> gave me a quick update on at that time, which was the, I guess the, um, the Cole memorandum and the Ogden memorandums both served as the, you know, linchpins for letting people feel like they could come out from their basements and perhaps grow and provide products to medical patients here in Colorado on a more forthright basis. But, yeah. you know, once that occurred, I was really interested. And in, uh, once again, I'm a person who's never used cannabis in my life. I had asthma as a child growing up, still do. So smoking doesn't really agree with me um, and never has. So, you know, it, 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 in this particular venue, it was really interesting to hear more about how they were growing these plants. Later on in 2011, late 2011, the general contractor that had been doing the upgrades to the facility called me and said, Brett, you should call Andy and take a tour of this facility because they're doing some really, really interesting things. They're, they're getting ready to, to start a brand new expansion that's going to be you know, just really, really nicely done. And at that point, I, I reached out. They made an appointment for me. And I got a chance to tour uh, the existing facility and see the designs for the new one and was really taken aback by how much they were investing in creating a very clean, a very aseptic, or at least a almost GMP or a GAC uh, compliant environment for growing cannabis. Right. At that point, just said, guys, this is really great. And, you know, kind of kept up with them. And in 2013, we talked about how they could monetize all that experience. And Andy and I came up with the concept of setting up a consulting company um, that we later launched. Actually, we incorporated in March of 2014. Uh, we spent about a year with Andy and their team kind of learning the ropes, going to conferences, helping them to develop written SOPs, manuals. And the the company was birthed with the idea that eventually it would become a public company. All right. Okay, so the two companies, they are related. There's Medicine Man, which is the big, clean cultivation facility and some processing, I believe. Um, um, they, they currently have dispensary operations, and they recently entered in the processing space as well. Got it, right. And And now, like this is a sister or brother company, Medicine Man Technologies. This, the technologies arm, provides consulting for other companies that want to get into cultivation, dispensary operations, the whole nine yards. Is that right? That's correct. Great. Okay. So uh, after a handful of years of actually adult use legalization here in Colorado, uh, what, where are these two companies, if, if they're walking in stride together or going different different goals, different agendas, what's where are we looking now? We, we've got three or four years of adult use legalization behind us. Wow, almost four. Can you believe it? And where are we going from here? Well, the the state has always had, for example, Medicine Man Denver, which 
was the original licensee of that facility for both medical and adult use cultivation. They have dispensary licenses both there at that location, and they also have a dispensary in Thornton uh, and a dispensary down in Aurora. So they they continue to do their good business, and while we're we have some common ownership only from the standpoint of their the Williams family and several people that work there that own shares of stock in Medicine Man Technology. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, they own they own a very small part of the company because the company has really grown quite a bit. So we're about 22 million shares outstanding. But at this time, the family and and relations within Andy's brother and, and his mom, they probably control less than four and a half million shares total. So over a period of time, we've grown, we've we've bought other companies, we've added additional investment capital, and over time, their share of the company has lessened. But at the same time, there's still value there that we've created for everybody. And uh, I think the future here in Colorado is going to be really interesting to watch because we've all seen the adult use initiative drive a lot of revenue to the state, but for the most part, those that are running dispensaries actively pretty much recognize that probably a good chunk of that's coming from out-of-state visitors that are curious or they're coming out for their vacation or, gosh, as a, as a youngster, they once used a little cannabis, and, and now that it's legal in this state, hey, maybe I'll buy an edible, maybe I'll buy a vape product, and maybe I'll relive a little bit of my uh, dangerous past, uh, past and be <laughs> doing it on a legal basis. So we've seen the market here grow incredibly quickly, uh, far outpacing our Washington state uh, counterparts to where we're on track. I think last year we did about 1.3 billion this year. Discussion and and prognostications are that we may get close to that $1.5 billion mark, but we've also seen a definitely a definite downtrend in medical card holders and the medical related sales. Um, So you're beginning to see, I think more normalization within the industry here in Colorado. And once again, the license holders have always been required in the past to be state residents. There are a number of very critical requirements that the MED set forth initially back in the days when it was the old Medical Marijuana Enforcement Division. And I believe that over the next year or two, you'll begin to see ownership opportunities open up beyond the state of Colorado residency requirements. which I think will be very good for the industry because, once again, investment has been restricted to those people that meet those residency requirements. And unfortunately, over time, I think that has maybe headed off a little bit of investment in Colorado that might have come in from the outside. But I think that time is now past where the infant industry needs protections. And it's my understanding, I believe, that there is an initiative coming up next year where the the state's being asked to consider uh, public ownership of licenses as an option. I believe they're putting that together under the same guidance that they use for the casino industry here in Colorado as well. So we may begin to see, um, you know, the state open up the doors a little bit more for outside investment. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And and I know as more and more states come on online with adult use and more business opportunities come come up, you know, each state needs to determine how important it is to keep that business from within or when it makes sense to have investors from other states. Really interesting and also above my pay grade, but super cool. <laughs> uh, so let's Yeah, we actually for as a matter of fact, we saw 
for the first time Senate Bill 3 in Pennsylvania, in the third page of the bill, they actually acknowledged that a public company could hold what they refer to as a permit rather than a license. Okay. So we're beginning to see a lot of uh, better adoption as far as legalized ownership within these licenses nationally. And we saw two years ago, uh, we saw TerraTech buy Blum out of, uh, out of California. And most of us in the public mar- market space sat on the edge of our chairs as their uh, AK went its way through the SEC. And we were surprised to see the SEC allow that sale to proceed. And since TerraTech has obviously added some other dispensary elements to their ownership, and we're beginning to see more and more interest from the public sector as far as public companies in the industry as a whole. So it's been a really interesting uh, evolutionary uh, thing to kind of watch over the last several years. Yep, true. All right, let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back to chat more with Brett Roper of Medicine Man Technologies. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. We are back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm with the National Cannabis Industry Association. If you're just tuning in, we've been getting to know Brett Roper, who is the CEO of the company Medicine Man Technologies, which provides consulting for cultivation and dispensary operations. Um, Okay, Brett, so what kind of lessons have been learned thus far uh, about the best way to grow cannabis uh, since since you're doing consulting for cultivation. Um, there's so many methods out there, right? Like everyone's got their 
their perfect method that they've honed over years. And um, But I don't think there's one best way, is there? I mean, there's the greenhouses versus outdoor debate. Where do you fall on this? You know, I think our position and our position publicly, publicly is there's no wrong way to grow cannabis. What we found is that over time, certain types or certain methods of growing or growing environments are perceived as being better. And that may or may not be true, but as you watch New Frontiers, you watch BDS Analytics and these companies that track pricing nationally, there's always been a discrepancy. Indoor material is always considered to be a little higher quality and as such has always commanded $100 to $150, $200 a pound more than a greenhouse environment. And by the same token, a greenhouse is always commanded $100 to $150 or $200 more than an outdoor environment. So what you find is the outdoor environments are typically going to be more one and done because they're not able to grow year-round, at least in most of the country. Uh, our weather doesn't permit you know, year-round growing. And with a greenhouse, sure. that facility is, is – there are great greenhouse facilities out there, but they still rely somewhat on the outdoor environment. And the, the normal consideration is a greenhouse is maybe call it a B-level cannabis. And people that grow indoors grow in a more, I guess, a controlled environment would be the best description where the temperatures, the humidity, the CO2 levels, the light, all those environmental conditions can be controlled on a very fine basis. And generally speaking, that material is a little, you know, it's considered to be, a, whether it's just a, a tiny bit better in quality or not, the perception is that that material is always going to be a little bit better. So in the industry, we don't have, I mean, we're supporting greenhouse grow operations for consulting. We don't necessarily get really deeply involved in outdoor, although we have an outdoor client in Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, but we're, we're typically more focused on whatever the state allows. So when you look at new states coming online, for example, Ohio, is they don't allow an outdoor grow. You have to grow indoors. And they, you know, there are certain state regulations that come up that drive that. For example, Hawaii didn't allow a greenhouse environment initially. It had to be an indoor facility that's completely unvisible from, and you can't see anything inside. Right. So a lot of those those stipulations are really going to be related to the local requirements and regulations out there. That's which so means true. you've got great you got great growers that have been growing in Northern California forever. Um, I mean, they have some some of the better reputations. And in the old days, when there was a a gray market and the medical community hadn't caught up, the California harvest typically made its way across the country and it made itself into Calif to Colorado and other states on a, kind, of a, kind of a gray or a black market basis. Yep. But as these states begin to adopt new rules and regulations and have their own legal growing environments, that type of proliferation and gray market has been pushed back a good deal. So we don't we don't really say there's a best way to grow. Um, we just say that based upon the investors' appetite for risk, there are certain ways to grow that are a little bit less risk averse or mm -hmm. a little bit more risk averse. Um, for example, a big stipulation or a big consideration is what is your energy profile? Last year, the Medicine Man facility we grew about seven thousand pounds of cannabis. Our partner did. And his average cost per pound to grow for the electric, the entire electric bill, by the way, which is everything that has to do with that whole facility, was about $60 a pound. Wow. A good greenhouse environment can grow 
with supplemental light. Remember, they still have to trim, dry, and cure low-voltage security cameras. They still have to consume power. But a good greenhouse ought to be able to grow for half that number, maybe 20 or $30 a pound. So when you look at it, yes, there's an, there's an economy there that says, hey, I can save money by growing it in a greenhouse. But greenhouse yields are typically less than indoor yields. So would I want to grow it in a greenhouse to save that $30, but maybe to give away a half a pound of productivity with a wholesale value of $500, I'm kind of saving money to lose money. So there, sure. there are pros and cons to all those. And once again, we don't judge because some people grow great in an indoor environment. Uh, we happen to be big believers in that because that's Josh Hopton, Three Alight. But there's, you know, the outdoor environment and the greenhouse environments are both very good as well. Got it. <clears throat> so the jury's still out. <laughs> it is. And you know what? It's probably going to be out for many years to come. And that's and, okay. Um, that's totally it, fine. That's, it's, it's a little bit like lights, you know, LED lamps and LED technology. Right now, um, high-pressure sodium or double-ended lamps are considered superior, whether you're running Gavitas or Phantoms or... Uh, Hortolux or Solistec, they're all good lamps and they all produce pretty good quality of light. Um, LED lights are supposed to be a little less uh, costly to operate, but so far all the testing seems to indicate that LED lamps don't produce at the same level of, of efficiency that an HID lamp produces at. Hmm. So once again, do you run an LED lamp and you get a half a pound less yield yeah, I saved myself $20 or $30 or $40 on energy, but what did I leave at the table with regard to the typical yields that we see? So LEDs are getting much better. We've, we ran some black dog LED tests this year, and we're quite surprised at how well they did. So we have confidence that that technology will catch up and do well. It just hasn't quite got there as yet, and there are people that would argue with me, and, and I would certainly say everybody's opinions are valid and you know, everybody has ways to do it that, that works for them. Absolutely. Uh, so we've got about a minute or two here before our next commercial break. But, you know, whether you are a cultivator or a dispensary operator, the same issues, NCIA's pet advocacy issues, actually, access to banking and tax reform for Section 280E, these things affect you no matter what, no matter how how much money you're saving on your electric bill, uh, you know, no matter how how efficient you are. Unfortunately, these businesses are are still subject to effective 70, 80 percent even tax rate because normal tax business deductions can't be taken. Um, so medicine man, probably more so than medicine man technologies is affected by that. Um, but you've seen, you've seen this as well. I'm sure when you consult the cultivators and dispensary operators as well, right. just building that in like, Hey, by the way, we're getting taxed out the wazoo. And it's funny because you walk into a dispensary and you buy your product, but unlike the grocery store where I see exactly how much my taxes cost me, you don't see those. And it's really kind of curious to me because when I, once again, I don't, I don't buy it, but I walk in dispensaries, I know them, but it's really curious that there's no real description as to what my money goes to. It may be that 
twenty percent was franchise and and sales taxes, and by the time you look at the two eighty e impact on the dispensary, there could have been another twenty percent tax bite um uh, that 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 particular dispensary owner has to endure, and at the end of the day, their margins are greatly diminished because they're being treated as criminals, although they're they're not criminals in the eyes of the state, so it's really a dichotomy that I hope gets resolved soon and would certainly agree with NCI's position that this is of the highest importance to be addressed. Yeah, it, uh, we, we just got that news a few days ago about uh, Senator Cory Gardner's amendment for this, you know, this tax bill that they were trying to push through and he ended up not submitting it after all. So we're, you know, back to doing what we can to amend the tax code um, as we continue to push forward. Um, Okay, we have to take a commercial break right now, but we'll be right back to wrap up our conversation with Brett Roper of Medicine Man Technology. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we are back and we are wrapping up our conversation today with the CEO of Medicine Man Technologies, uh, Brett. So we we were just mentioning NCIA because we were talking about how taxes in particular and then and then sometimes banking is is an issue for the direct to plant businesses in our industry and both medicine man companies uh, have been members of NCIA, especially Medicine Man, for a long time, many, many years. And you're certainly present at our national conferences, uh, like the Seed to Sale show that happens in the winter and the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo that happens in the summer. What do you find is different about NCIA's business-to-business industry conferences 
compared to the other thousand conferences <laughs> in the <laughs> cannabis industry. You can like fill your calendar with a conference probably every right. day if you have unlimited means. So, but what's Very, different for you? You know, it's interesting because we've we've found over the years we're beginning to focus in on two or three effective events every year or effective organizations. Um, certainly NCIA and MJ Business come to mind as far as some of the better players in that space. And what we've seen over the years is a lot of people come and go. But the nice thing about NCIA is that they have been a very strong staple to the cannabis industry as a whole. And as a as kind of a semi-public uh, in best interest natured company or a you know, group of folks such as yours, you know, you, you generally find a a very compassionate or a very passionate uh, attendee of these events. They have very uh, strong ties to the industry. They've been in it for a long time. Many of the people attending are not just there because they're making money oh, or yeah. a fast buck. They're there because they have a passion for the industry. Before it was an industry me, even. Exactly. Much much more, more so than perhaps at some of these other events that tend to be more business focused where you're getting a really interesting dichotomy of people coming together. NCIA has always kind of been about the national front and what it's doing to advance medical initiatives. Obviously back in the day when medical was the only thing we could get past. Right. And nowadays you guys are much more engaged and involved at the national level for everything for 280E to, to some sort of normalization for the industry. So I, I think you stand out uh, your light st- stands out quite brightly when you when you look at your organization and what they do. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we uh, I think a good half of the staff or or about that have been cannabis activists in one way, shape, or form. You know, at the local level before NCIA was an organization. I know I I was in in Maryland, <laughs> and uh, Aaron Smith was in California, and so on and so forth. And we we always say internally and to our members, you know, for those that didn't realize that they were going to become a cannabis activist, once you are interested in being in the cannabis industry, hey, you're now an activist. It's They just <laughs> kind of go hand in hand. So you need to wear two hats in the cannabis industry for the foreseeable future. Um, and as we wrap up the show here, we have about a minute or so. Um, do you have any predictions? I love predictions. It's the end of the year. It's the beginning of the year. Do, would you like to predict anything about where the cannabis industry is going? I, I think in the next three to five years, there has to be some sort of uh, national normalization event. I don't know exactly what form that takes, but I, I have to believe that with all of the uh, support for the industry here within the U.S. and the fact you do see children that receive a strong benefit from using cannabis and, and lives that are changed daily. I, I just can't believe the, the federal government can remain the ostrich with its proverbial head in the ground, kind of ignorant of the value of the industry as a whole. And we've Goodness sakes, we've had alcoholic beverages forever. So <laughs> maybe cannabis will be lucky and get through its prohibition a little bit quicker than we, uh, than than it took to get back out of the <laughs> the, the alcoholic prohibition days. But um, I think normalization at some point, or at least rescheduling to a level where we're not going to be involving big pharma 
Agreed. Uh, it's going to be a, a big part. If we just reschedule the two without a waiver, you've just basically wiped out billions of dollars of infrastructure here in the United States. And I don't think the federal yeah. government would be that foolish to take on states' rights at that level. So I really see rescheduling right. to three or less or two with a waiver and mm-hmm. some sort of put your big toe in the water. And I think NCIA will be at the forefront of leading that charge. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's super important to, to me and many of us that it allows itself to be a small business, medium-sized business, middle-class opportunity as well, and not just, you know, like you said, hand it over to big pharma and big corporations. Um, anyway, so we have run out of time. Thank you so much for sharing that, Brett, and thank you for being on the show today. Um, I encourage everybody to come to one of our upcoming conferences and find the Medicine Man and Medicine Man Technologies folks and say hello. Thanks again for being on the show today, Brett. Thanks for having me and have a great week. Same to you. And thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.